It's time for Cofield and company. DJ stops, spins in the lane, puts up a floater, and knocks it down. What a shot. Whew. That boy is so good for a freshman. And the Rebels are going to win the game. Rutten Rebels win it 66-60. to The Rutten Rebels defeat Colorado State. They are up two games on Colorado State. They are also now ahead of New Mexico, and they got out a victory against Colorado State, 66-60. to It's Cofield and company in the Finley Toyota studio. Also in Laramie, Wyoming, uh, back in Finley Toyota studio, Damon and Adam Candy. It's Cofield here on the road. UNLV is playing at Wyoming tomorrow in a 6 o'clock tip and 5.30 with running Rebel warm-up. You hear John Sandler and Curtis Terry on the way back. That was a very important win. You know, the Rebels are still digging themselves out of the hole that they created with losses to Southern and Loyola Marymount and Air Force. Uh, I won't keep doing – I'm not going to do the what-if thing, Candy, because uh, Rebel fans are really caught up in what if Reno, what if the first game in Colorado State, what if Utah State. I think there was a fourth game in conference where there's a what-if. Listen, on the year, they've played in nine games decided by five points or less one way or the other. They're four and five. That's not awesome, but it's not terrible either. They're coin flip spots. And, frankly, I don't know what you saw at the end of the game, Damon. Well, I'll let you know what you tell me because I'm going to give you my impression of the biggest thing that helped them in the final minutes in terms of securing the win. What do you think it was? Being able to make their free throws. That's a big one. For me, that's the biggest key because we saw, I know it's a lot on DJ Thomas because he had such a great game against Reno. But a lot of people think, me included, he makes those two free throws, they win the game. There was not a doubt in that game where they were hitting from the line that free throws aren't going to be the reason. Of course, the defensive intensity was there. They were getting stops. But they still went out there and executed on the offensive on the offensive end by getting to the line and knocking down those free throws. That was the biggest difference between why they won that game and why they lost to Reno. They had six key misses on free throws down the stretch. They also I'll have to look back to see how they did on their one plus ones. But I think they missed at least two of the one plus ones, which essentially can become two. Candy knows that he's an official. Um, yeah, in this game, Lou Rod and DJ Thomas went twenty of twenty. I mean, you can't do much better than that. And going back to the Nevada game, that was a game where Jalen Lucas on the other side made all of his free throws. That was gigantic because that could have changed the whole game. But Colorado State was right there. I thought the most impressive thing down the stretch was the play around the rim. And I actually, I happened to be sitting at the defensive end for the Rebels. And I'm telling you, between Patrick Cartier, who's a, he's a below-the-rim guy at 6'8", 240. I don't know that he can dunk easily. Uh, but he's freaking strong as an ox, and he's tough around the hoop. Between him and Joel Scott, who looks like he's 43 years old, uh, long arm guy, 6'7", 225, and then also Neat Clifford, who you can see why he was a Power 5 recruit at Colorado. He's just got that frame, you know, that kind of next-level frame with the super long arms and um, great leaper. Those guys were all over tip-ins, and they were trying finishes, and they couldn't finish anything at the rim. And that, that kind of defense, and I'm not comparing the UNLV defense to this team, that's one of the things when you look at San Diego State games after the game, how many people, how many times in a game where San Diego State wins that people miss bunnies near the rim or got their shot altered a little bit where they couldn't finish the layup. I thought 
that tough play around the rim was one of the biggest things that got him the victory. And keep in mind, Candy, Rob Whaley wasn't available in the second half of the game. That is the style of game, though, that this UNLV team can win. That That is why last week I talked about it's so matchup dependent for them because if they get the matchup where it's about can we hit you harder than you hit us inside, they're going to win some games. But what impresses me is that you still had Isaiah Stevens out there, right? And you essentially line up DJ Thomas and Isaiah Stevens, and you don't need a freshman to be able to outdo Isaiah Stevens. But if he holds his own and he plays him to a draw, that's a win for UNLV. Without question, when you've got a player of the level of Stevens, and look, he scored more points than him in the game, so you can use the simplest measure if you want there. Right. Uh, he had 18. DJ had 23. Most of Stevens' shots were pretty difficult. Uh, they didn't let him turn the corner a lot because they were uh, talking to or listening to Isaiah Cottrell after the game on Saturday, and then I had a chance to chat with him quickly today at practice, and he said there was a real emphasis on the big hedging way the hell out to make sure that Stevens could not turn the corner. And then the responsibility becomes that kind of that back end of the lane. And at times the rebels have tried the hard hedge and then the back end person just hasn't, you know, had it all together. I'll give you the other thing that was impressive. Not only did they, they win at the rim late in the game and defend well at the rim. They're got they're It came to a point to on where I think Kevin Kruger's like, all right, I don't know what's going on with Caleb Boone right now. But we got to get him off the floor because he just seems out of sorts, and he was kind of out of sorts at different points all night long. Steve, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was one of those things where I'm watching it down the stretch. Oh, Caleb Boone, he's not going to finish this game. Where the substitution started early in the second half. Where it's like, all right, let's get him out of here. And then he put in Rob. No, no, excuse me, not Rob. Carl Jones, that's who he put in. He put in Carl, and I was like, oh, that's too early to be putting in Carl in the second half. He immediately takes Carl out and then puts Caleb back in. But then I think that's when you saw the ice minutes come in where Isaiah Cottrell is like, okay, that's the big that we're going to need down the stretch. Because for whatever reason, I don't know what it was with Caleb. I thought he was playing good on the defensive end. It's just Kevin Kruger, trust is a big word, but Kevin Kruger just didn't trust him to be in the game late down the stretch. So I'll give you the – well, one, the season is a season of changes, Candy. You know that. You've been covering college basketball a long time, long-time play-by-play guy as well. To me, a team goes through like three or four phases during the year, and whoever's making the best adjustments throughout the season uh, has a big leg up. Like We talked to Brian Dutcher. I'm just going to keep name-dropping. I talked to this person, that person. We talked to Brian Dutcher last week, and I asked him about the UNLV game the first time around, and he almost said, like, basically, he's like, that game was so long ago, it really has nothing to do with the game coming up at the Thomas and Mac. And he's kind of right. I mean, look at how much the team, in terms of roles, uh, in different quarters of the season has changed with the Rebels, and here's what I'm getting to. People have scouted Caleb Boone, all right? Everyone does that. You have a scout, right? So everyone's coming up with a game plan. As time has gone along, now you've got double teams on Caleb Boone 60% of the time when he gets the ball in the post. And one, I don't think he's establishing position deep enough. Two, what that means is then he has to dribble his way down into the paint, and I think everyone knows – he over-dribbles sometimes to set himself up. It's not one or two dribbles. It's six, and it's pivot, pivot, pivot. Well, meanwhile, little guys are coming in and doing what, Damon? You're a little guy. What did you do against a big guy? They're swiping right at it because he's bringing the ball exactly. down. Yep. And it got to a point where it's like, Caleb, if you're not going to make a quick decision, one, if you're not going to establish position 
you know, five feet from the hoop or six, and it's ten, we can't have you dribbling to try to get down there. We got to have someone else in the game, and it worked. You know what? Cottrell was super inspired. You know, he's kind of been in and out in terms of the confidence miss, uh, mix. He played well. He defended well. He grabbed a couple of really good uh, defensive rebounds. Kruger pointed out today at the uh, media availability that he had a save down the stretch. It was massive. So guys are stepping up when they need to, and it's not necessarily a backbreaker if one of your star players isn't playing great, Candy. Well, I don't know that I necessarily want to point to the players so much because we've spent a couple of years trying to figure out what's Kevin Kruger's identity as a head coach going to be, right? What kind of team is he going to put together? And that's, of course, for him, been a real challenge year after year with as many players as he's had to replace. But now we're seeing that this year's team is a big, bruising team, but it has been very dependent in spots on the Boons. Well, what I love about Kevin Kruger and what I love about the confidence that he shows in a moment like that in the second half is I'm going to find what works, right? And I know my personnel well enough to know that If I need to take a guy who is, by any measure, one of my five best players on the roster, if I need to take that guy and I need to sit him down in a big spot because I've got someone who I think can fit this game better, then I'm going to do it. And that, to me, is a sign of a coach who's maturing, who feels like, like you said, Steve, he's learned what he needs to learn about this high turnover roster and how the pieces fit together, especially when you have to add a big piece in like they did in December. Damon, your reaction? Uh, no, I'm, I agree with Adam 100% because down the stretch, when I saw that Caleb Boone is essentially getting benched, I was thinking, Isaiah Cottrell, do, do they want to have Isaiah Cottrell out here? And that, that's, exa- that's what I'm thinking. As a member of the media and also a diehard fan of, ooh, I don't know about ice in this situation, but he was good in those down the stretch. You mentioned the hard hedge. For me, even where ice after the game, he's saying, yeah, we were basically told to guard him as if he's a guard, not just, you know, help and recover. Those hedges, they were guarding him for a couple of seconds and not giving up that position. So it's those it's those little things on the defensive end where sometimes we're, you mentioned his identity as a coach where as a fan base, trust that the coach knows what he's doing because I know that I was thinking, don't know about this, but the move paid off in the end, and maybe Kevin Kruger is getting better at those in-game adjustments, or maybe for the fan base, hey, just relax. He actually knows what he's doing. And with this entire conversation, I've probably buried the lead for a lot of Rebel fans. The most important thing they wanted to know today was, how is Rob Whaley? So, Rob, when I went out to practice, he was a full participant. I didn't see any sort of limp on the left ankle. That's what it turned out to be. It was a left ankle. I mentioned during the game on the radio broadcast on the Southern Report that, man, he uh, he went up the tunnel and he hopped on his right foot to like the halfway point of the tunnel and it's a bit of an upslope. So good for him. He's got some calves on him. And he stopped. He put his left foot down and was like, oh, now he's going to try to take a step. He, he wouldn't even take a step. And then he hopped back up into the locker room. And he, he also said today, Rob Whaley, that he thinks he could have come back in the game, but they wanted to be safe from a precaution standpoint. So... They didn't put him back in, so um, that's a good victory without Rob Whaley, who's been you know as as effective a big man over the last ten games as we have in the entire Mountain West Conference. So I'm glad to see him back, and he's a uh, he's a good part of this story. This has turned out to be a pretty cool story. Now, you know, as it goes, Rebel fans have high demands as they should. Uh, the facilities are there, the you know the resources are there. Um, this team should be this or- organization, this program should be making the tournament every year, and they still got a shot here because they've gotten real hot and they're playing you know good ball and they've realized their identity which is get into the paint and try to wreak havoc in there i want to do a giveaway right now 364 1100 364 1100 
We've got tickets to, uh, man, this weekend's loaded. Uh, Nitro Cross, we had uh, Travis Pastrana, or Pastrana on the show on Friday. Nitro Cross is uh, being run right behind Planet Hollywood, or what they're calling the Nitro Dome. Uh, Ticketmaster.com is where you get the tickets. It's a Friday-Saturday event. We've got tickets for Friday. Two tickets right now, 364-1100, But get your own tickets, right? Uh, this is a really cool event. It's backed by Dana White, a lot of music, a lot of festivities going on aside from the racing. It's March 1st and 2nd, and as I mentioned, Travis Pastrana is a big part of this thing. 364-1100, caller number 7, 364-1100. On to some NFL, Candy. On to some NFL. Um, are you getting a little bit concerned? And I don't want to read into anything too much right now because I feel like, I don't know if you're noticing it, and I, I never really want to bite the hand that feeds all of us and go after the media because we get all this fake media bull crap uh, out there. I'm seeing, a, like, people are so hungry for NFL news. I'm seeing a lot of this is likely to happen reporting. So I try not to get too crazy about who's going to be franchise tagged and who won't, and I trust that Adam Schefter has good sources, but I think when you put likely, that leaves the door open to go, I said likely. I didn't say it was going to happen. What's your vibe right now on the trickling of reporting we're getting on the guy I thought was a former Raider running back and Josh Jacobs. Well, Schefter did a really interesting thing where he tweeted the Josh Jacobs news, air quotes, and then quote tweeted that with the Saquon Barkley news, air quotes, and then kept going with Tony Pollard and then kept yeah. going with Derrick Henry. It's almost like he thought that if you add up enough maybes, you get to a yes. And I'm not sure it works quite that way. But I think what it makes clear is that all of this coming out at one time, probably we've got some team and league sources as opposed to agents on this one because who's going to benefit from a loaded running back market in free agency? Right. That's going to be the teams with the prices driving down. I know the salary cap's going up. The money ain't going to the running backs, and it's certainly not going to long-term deals. Will there be one that gets it, that gets a, the outlier deal? Not unless Christian McCaffrey lights his contract on fire and gets back out onto the market, like, like, like you don't physically think, uh, actually lights it on fire. Of all the guys who loves to run the ball, and he's back in the NFL, you think Harbaugh will listen to his NFL people and go, Jim, just wait. Just wait. I mean, you should, right? If you've got – I mean, there are different sorts of bell cows. I'm not, I don't know that Tony Pollard is. I think he can be. Derrick Henry can't catch the ball out of the backfield. But if you've got four bell cows, you, sh you should be able to get at least one of them at a pretty decent price, if not two of them. A little bit of an undervalued and, contract. And you saw Greg Roman come out and talk about, you know, hey, Justin Herbert with a running game would be very impressive if you're the offensive coordinator of the Chargers. That is a big thing to say. And look, Austin Eckler was one of the original, I'm going to hold out and get my deal, guys. And he didn't get his deal, yeah. and then he wasn't that good. So my thing with Harbaugh is more that, why don't you take a couple of swings, right? Yeah. Why, don't, why don't you try for more than one? Why don't you bring in a Derrick Henry and see what he has left, and then maybe use a second or third round pick and see if you can bring in someone with a little bit of that sort of juice. Because to me, if you go out there right now and you decide you're going to pay Josh Jacobs, you're paying Josh Jacobs for year six, maybe for year seven, maybe for year eight if you're really frisky, 
And what has the health of running backs and the aging of them shown you? They don't age in which it's like, oh, that battery on my phone loses a little bit every month until I can't use the phone anymore. No, the damn battery falls out of the phone. And all of a sudden, you've got nothing. And that's how running backs age. Uh, poor Zeke. All right, if we were to guess right now, Damon, get in on this. With Pollard and Henry and Saquon and Jacobs, who gets the highest guaranteed money haul? Guaranteed? I'm not being biased. I think I'm going with the king. Derrick Henry, because I find it more realistic that you could give him two years, let's say eight point five million guaranteed, and tack on a tack on an imaginary third year. Hmm. I don't think that eight million a year for Derrick Henry is unreasonable, but maybe that's why I like running backs too much. Was that was that eight overall or sixteen guaranteed? Sixteen guaranteed. Not to get too number nerdy here, but that seemed low to you, Candy. Sixteen mil guaranteed on a on a Frank. two plus three deal. Like J, I mean, I would assume Jacobs and Barkley are like, can we at least get like twenty mil guaranteed on a three year deal with a fourth option? Is it well, not even going to be twenty million guaranteed for a top notch running back? Guys, the tag's fourteen, right? Like, like if the tag is fourteen, then no one's taking less than that to get a two-year deal unless you're saying to me oh, i'll take it for 13.5 to get the second year like no, nobody's taking that low of a deal to me cofield to answer your question saquon barkley is the clear answer to me on this because if you're going to dream on what a running back can do for you then saquon barkley is the most dynamic of all of those running backs and saquon barkley has shown you he can be a lead back he's shown you that he has the bounce josh jacobs can catch the ball he can run the ball but I don't know that Josh Jacobs appeals to offensive coordinators in a way that Saquon Barkley as a Christian McCaffrey light does Damn. it's not gonna be Tony Pollard Tony Pollard had you said he could be a bell cow well he got the opportunity last year and he sure didn't look the part Derrick Henry's got too many uh, miles on the odometer for him to get the most guaranteed money but the question Cofield goes back to you Who's getting two years? Is any of them getting, are any of them getting two years? Because right now the market Holy sets crap. up in such a way that Holy anybody crap. who doesn't want to pay for two years or three years is going to say, that's cool. Josh Jacobs, you signed? All right. Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley are waiting outside the door. Right. Damn. Can't even get two guaranteed. Holy crap, this position. It's amazing. It really is. And then meanwhile... We're going to wind up talking a lot about Kirk Cousins off an Achilles and how much money, guaranteed money, he's going to get. Um, I was very sad when I saw this morning that uh, – I don't know why the Arizona Cardinals have to play with my emotions. but uh, Are they playing a game here by declaring Kyler Murray QB1? Like, What's the benefit? What's the benefit? Just tell me behind the scenes you're just playing with everyone – trying to raise his value and you are going to take a quarterback in the draft what, what do you mean steve i don't understand i don't i don't understand what you're saying because why would they do that it's not as though kyler murray has ever shown you that 
he's a little bit sensitive to what's said about him in the media, right? You wouldn't okay. just be trying to build his ego up a little bit to right. make sure that he still feels. You wouldn't be out there trying to build trade value. What's to build trade value for? You just said our franchise quarterback, right? Because the Arizona Cardinals are a stand-up team. They've never done this. Be- they, they, Wait, have they done this before, Steve? I kind of remember, uh, was it 2018, 2019? There was a quarterback they were really interested in named... Oh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, it was Kyler Murray when they had the number one pick in the draft. And Cliff Kingsbury said, Josh Rosen is our guy. Yeah. Said it in February before the draft. Josh Rosen, last year's number 10 overall pick, is our guy. And you know who wasn't their guy two months later? Josh Rosen was not their guy because they drafted Kyler Murray. Just don't try to piss on our leg and tell us that it's raining when you've already pissed on our leg and we've seen it's just piss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was good. Uh, well, we should have got the hell out of that, that block there. That was a good, that was a good, but I'm so emotionally invested with uh, Kyler Murray. I told you, Damon, there's still a shot. My grand plan. Now my grand plan was Mike Tomlin and Kyler Murray, but uh, Antonio Pierce is growing on me, especially with the Mahomes rules last week. All right. Raiders still have a shot at Kyler Murray. It can still happen, my friend. Be a believer, Damon. Just like just like you and I, short, fast guys. We we well not me. Uh, we side with Kyler Murray. Whether if it's in Denver or somewhere else, I, I hope it's in Denver. You know, I hope I get to finish there. I, I, I committed there. I wanted to be there. You know, I want to be there. For me, it's about winning. Over the next five years, I want to win too. I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. Welcome back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Here, Russell Wilson on uh, Cofield and Company on the way back there. Big week. Big week of uh, analysis, data collection, probably ripping on Caleb Williams. Uh, the combine is going down, but it also means in Indianapolis, all the NFL comes together in a more casual atmosphere. So the rumors will be flying, and I'm sure some business will get done uh, in Indianapolis covering the combine for the LV Sports Network over on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 is Q Myers. His spot today is brought to you by our friends at Treasure Island, the Golden Circle, uh, Sportsbook, and Bar. What's up, Q? Hey, what's happening? How you guys doing, man? It's great to be on uh, Cofield and Company. So tell me the setup there. Um, I know when our buddy Adam Hill, part of the company, goes out there, he loves this event because of the, the opportunity to kind of hobnob but in a more casual atmosphere. Is that what it's like where you, you do have lots of opportunities outside the, the kind of the business zone to just talk football with people? Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. There's a lot of uh, social activities that go on down here in, in Indianapolis, and that's where a lot of the GMs and coaches start to get get together, and that's where you start to hear about Justin Fields and what teams really have some interest in trading for him, and what teams have some trade times, you know, the interest in trading back maybe in the in the draft, and who's talking about trading up, and yeah, there's a lot of conversations that's going on when some wine is pouring and some steaks are being cut and all that good stuff, and then there's a couple after hour places that. We were actually at last year where Von Miller, who wants to be a GM at some point, who was down here last year learning this kind of what the front office thing is all about, uh, he ended up at some upstairs lounge area inside this bar and restaurant that we were in, and it was really packed downstairs. So I saw Von Miller go up the stairs, up the back stairs, so I thought, well, 
I'm going where he went just because it was really packed downstairs. Went upstairs. It was a lot of air, a lot of everything going on upstairs, a lot of drinks flowing, and started talking to Von Miller. And he actually said, hey, where are you from? I said, Vegas. He said, oh, Max Crosby's my guy. Hold on. Let me FaceTime him. And literally FaceTimed at 1 in the morning, East Coast time, of course, uh, to, to Max Crosby just to tell him, hey, I got your guy here. And Max didn't want anything to do with it. Max was like, yeah, Von, I'm going to bed. Thanks. So there's a lot going on. But at least you got the pool like that, that people know that you know, you're, you're the guy. You're plugged in. You're basically Mr. Raider on the media front. So who are some of the players that you're looking for? Because maybe the Raiders need to get that guy. Maybe not in the first round, but second, third round as well. I think that, you know, there's no doubt that the offensive line, the trenches need to be approached and, and need to be upgraded, right? I think that the Raiders have had a hole at the right tackle position forever. So that's got to be addressed at some point. They keep on trotting another guy out there each and every year, and they still have not been able to solidify that. So the trenches need to be worked. Tom Telesco has a history of really building up the trenches similar to what Howie Roseman does in Philadelphia uh, with their front, their offensive line and their defensive line. So I'm assuming that he's going to do that. But, I mean, let's make no mistake about it. When it comes to the Raiders and the Combine, this week is all about the quarterback. It's like what what are they going to do? Who are they going to go get? Who are they going to target? Caleb's not throwing. Uh, Jaden Daniels isn't throwing. I know, think that everyone knows that Jaden Daniels is QB1 for the Raiders. Is there a chance for them to go get him? That's another conversation. And I think Michael Penix is a guy who the Raiders would be interested in if the medicals, uh, if they pan out. That's going to be huge for Michael Penix this week. Q, can you talk about uh, the Raiders kind of finishing off their coaching staff? And I know they added another player personnel. Um, person today so how has this whole thing come together for you well they got a lot of guys on the coaching staff like looking at that list and adding Jojo Wooden today that was a guy that was already rumored to uh, be coming over from the Chargers with Tom Telesco as that senior player per personnel uh, director of player personnel and so uh, that wasn't a big surprise but I think that you when you look at this coaching staff and look at all the guys that they brought and I don't really have the exact number I want to say it's like 24 guys on the coaching staff what stands out to me is Matt Sheldon the game management coordinator. He's up there with Antonio Pierce and Marvin Lewis. Obviously, AP's the head coach. Marvin Lewis is the assistant head coach. But Matt Sheldon, the game management uh, you know, coordinator or coach, whatever you want to call him, I think is really important. Some of that uh, you know, in-game uh, moments where you got to decide to throw the challenge flag, uh, time management, things that we saw Antonio Pierce not be so strong at last season. I think that that's going to really help. And that's something that I think that the Raiders have needed for a long time. I think that that's a really good addition. I like the fact that the coaching staff has a lot of former players on that staff. Does that mean that they're going to be immediately successful? No, but I just think that it's something to, you know, been there, done that, that's going to help. Like Ricky Manning Jr., uh, Andre Carter, Gerald Alexander, those guys, uh, for example, are all part of the coaching staff. And I think that that's a big deal, especially on the defensive side of things. And obviously Antonio Pierce, he, uh, he gravitates to those kind of dudes. So uh, we'll see if it works out, but I, I like the way that that came together. You know, Q, when we talk about coaching staff, especially about Antonio Pierce, it's so much about the energy and the vibe and what he brings to the locker room. I'm curious when you talk about those quarterbacks and who might be the eye, uh, the eye test meter for the Raiders, who's the one that you look at and say, that's a guy I think is a Raider. I know you said Jaden Daniels is the guy they're interested in, but who do you look at and say, that's a guy that's going to fit the kind of energy that this franchise is looking for? Well, I think Jaden, because of the relationship with AP going back to Arizona State and the fact that he was in the Raiders' locker room following the Week 18 victory over the Broncos, I think that that goes a long way. But Michael Penix, for the reason of 
his strength is what? Throwing the ball deep. And that's the Raiders' identity right there, right? To throw the ball deep. That's what Antonio Pierce said in the introductory press conference, that he wants to get back to stretching the field. And that's something that the Raiders obviously couldn't do under Jimmy Garoppolo. He couldn't throw a pass t- past 20 yards as far as I'm concerned. It just wasn't looking good. Uh, I think that Aiden O'Connell does a better job of doing that. But obviously Michael Penix has that strong arm. And as long as he's got a strong run game to go with, I mean, you saw where he was struggling in the national championship game because he didn't have Dylan, Dylan Johnson, his, his running back. He just wasn't there. He wasn't 100% healthy, so he wasn't able to go. And all of a sudden, he struggled. If he has a strong run game, which we know Antonio Pierce wants to do with the Raiders, he's able to stretch that field. I think Michael Penix would be a perfect example of an of a, of a identity of what a Raider quarterback can look like. Those, those two I'm looking at in particular, I know that there's a conversation to be had about J.J. McCarthy. All he did in college was win. I know Bo Nix is probably in the mix. Actually, I think any of those next three guys are in the mix. Nix, uh, Penix, or else uh, McCarthy, I think they're all in the mix. But for my money, I would pick uh, I'd put JJ, I'd put uh, Michael Penix as long as the, the medicals check out. Q, what are the odds, or I know you're not a betting man, but do you think that maybe they trade away that first-round pick and go get someone like a Kyler Murray or a Justin Fields? Um, I don't think Justin Fields because of the fact that Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator and they didn't really work together too well in Chicago. So I've seen that report and rumor that they could be interested or they are interested in him. I don't believe that until I see it. I mean, I've obviously been proven wrong before. I don't think that that's the case. And I, I like Kyler Murray a lot. I liked him a lot when I was uh, in Texas and watched him at Allen High School, then go on to Texas A&M and Oklahoma as well. So I know what he's all about. I know he's got winning traits. I just don't know how much of a winner he is on this level, right? And then, of course, some of the concerns when it came to study habits and everything that they had to put in the contract, and that got leaked out, and that's not really a leak because they put it out there. I, I just I don't know if that's something that AP wants to deal with you know who how ap is how he's very as a matter of fact get your you know butt in there and and do the work and of course he's a player's coach where he's going to let you do your thing but at the same time wants to make sure that you're focused in on what you're supposed to be doing so i don't know if kyler murray actually fits with what the raiders do Uh, i know he's a dynamic player though and so i mean if they did find a way to get him i guess that they could make that but i think that'd probably be their their last option is to go and get a veteran quarterback by way of trade who's already out there Q, when you talk about guys who put that work in, and nobody fits that bill better than Josh Jacobs. And we saw the Adam Schefter report that the yeah. Raiders are not planning to tag Josh Jacobs. So if you're a Raider fan who wants to see Josh Jacobs back, do you think the fact that they're not tagging him means they're letting him go? Or do you think it means that there might be some optimism that they could work out a deal? I think there's a lot of optimism that they can work out a deal, and we know how Antonio Pierce feels about Josh Jacobs. He's called him the the heartbeat of the team, the soul of the team. When he took over on November 1st, he said, I, I met with Josh and told him what I need him to do and that the team is going to go through him. I still believe he believes that. And I think, honestly, guys, the extra money that Adam Schefter reported on Friday that the league has gone up with a $30 million raise in the salary cap. It's probably 7 to $8 million more than anyone expected. I think that that's really going to help get the deal done. I don't know what the deal is going to look like. I don't think it's going to be any kind of absurd money. The other reason I think it's a good chance that Josh Jacobs returns is because there's so many running backs out on the open market. So many guys. I heard you guys talking earlier about Derrick Henry. He's out there. Tony Pollard is out there. Saquon Barkley is out there. Austin Eckler is going to be out there. I mean, that's just to name a few off the top of my head. There's so many running backs that are available, not to mention the hundreds that are going to come in the draft uh, in the end of April. I don't think that there's a whole lot of landing spots for Josh Jacobs where they're going to break the bank. I just don't see it. And I know that now that Antonio Pierce is the full-time head coach, he wants to return. He didn't want to come back if it wasn't AP. AP is back. I think it 
it makes sense. I don't know what the money's going to look like, but I do think they get it done. Q Myers is on the road in Indianapolis covering the Combine. It's brought to you by uh, Treasure Island. We're live every Friday with Cofield and Company with our 3-6 to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. So what's the official number, uh, number, number expected to be available under the cap for the Raiders? Uh, right now it's about $48 million. Uh, given the given the thirty million dollars salary cap uh, raise, so it's about forty eight million dollars. But uh, as soon as guys like Jimmy G and his money comes off the books, that eleven million dollars that uh, is basically going to be voided because of his suspension, uh, that's going to raise it up as well. I think as soon as Hunter Renfro gets whatever decision they make on him, honestly, I think that the Raiders could be close to like seventy million dollars if they really mm. want to before it's all said and done. Could there be, say, like $15, $18 million? I'm not sure what would happen in a long-term deal, but I know that's uh, what's owed uh, if Khalil Mack is dumped by the Chargers. Could MD? I don't even know if Mark Davis was mad at Khalil Mack. I think at the time he was probably in a money pinch and couldn't put out all that guaranteed money. Could they welcome back Khalil Mack? Would you be interested in that? Is that a position they need? Um, I think so. I think the defensive line is definitely something that needs to be addressed. Uh, so you can never have too many edge rushers, and, you know, Khalil's really good against the run as well, and uh, I think Raider Nation would definitely welcome back. Nobody wanted to see him leave uh, when he did the way he did, so I think that there's definitely a chance that he could return. I think the biggest priority, though, would be the interior of the Raiders' defensive line. I think that that's got to be figured out before they move out to the edges, right? Figure out what they're going to do on the interior. Is Tyree Wilson going to make a permanent move to the inside? I doubt it. So uh, we'll see there. I think a guy like Chris Jones is someone that the Raiders will be interested in, even though I think he returns to Kansas City. And uh, Justin Matabuke in Baltimore, I think he returns to Baltimore as well. I'd be interested in both those guys. Uh, I think that that's what they need to do first. And maybe they do that in the draft. Maybe they go get a Byron Murphy out of Texas or a, or a, a, a Tavondre Sweat out of Texas as well. Those two defensive tackles are just monsters in the interior of that defensive line. So they could be guys that the Raiders could look at in the draft. But if not, I think free agency would be a good way to go. Why do you doubt it on Tyree Wilson, who seems to have sort of a you know Richard Seymour-like frame where he can naturally carry 270 like it's nothing? I mean, couldn't he get up to you know 300 pounds and, and still carry it well or – uh, is it not a positional match because he just maybe doesn't have that kind of aggression and, and meanness you uh, need inside? No, I think he could. I just think that because his first his rookie year was so inconsistent and he was still learning the NFL game since he was coming back from that injury, that they want to get him locked into a position to, to be able to feel comfortable before they start saying, okay, we're going to move you into the interior permanently. I mean, he, he showed flashes at times. They put that NASCAR package out there where they had Crosby and him and, and Malcolm Kuntz out there. And, you know, they had guys that can get to the quarterback all at the same time. And it was, it was pretty cool to see. Uh, and that's obviously something that Antonio Pierce did a lot in New York with the Giants. Uh, so I, I could see it happening. And if they have already kind of indicated that to him and he's able to work on that right now, then – then I could be wrong, but I just think that since he wasn't able to really get 100% comfortable his rookie year, that they probably want to make sure that he's out there feeling like, okay, I got control of this. I know what I'm doing with my body. I know what I'm doing as an edge rusher before they just decide to slide him in and make that permanent switch. Q Myers with us. Q, are you a steak guy? Yes, bone-in ribeye all day, every day. Here we go. All right, do you have a spot picked out in Indy? Because that's kind of what they're famous for at several restaurants. Um, I'm not sure the name of the restaurant, but there's a spot that the Raiders will take us to tomorrow night that we'll oh. go to, and I'll get a good bone-in ribeye. We went there last year. I saw 
Bryce Young and others hang out. It's like the to-do spot. It's like the, the spot that everyone goes to. I think it might be Tony's. I'm not 100% sure. But mm. it's, a, it's a spot like that that we'll go. And then the rest of the time, man, since I'm grinding so much, there's not really any time. Yeah. I mean, literally I'm not going to get off the air <laughs> to 1 a.m. Yeah. because uh, of the ESPN show. So uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of steak time for me here. I got my traditional beef jerky and, and others. Stay away uh, from the shrimp cocktail this year. Yeah, hey, well, man, I yeah. learned last year. I know what to expect this time. Wow. God, it got me in my face. <laughs> Waffle House has fine steak and pork chops, so uh, if you get out there late night, we'll okay. do it up for you. Okay. Hey, look, man, I'll I'll go, man. I ain't, I ain't worried about it. You know, I, I don't need to sleep. I'm just going to go ahead and exactly. burn that midnight candle. Why not? Q Myers, you'll hear him all week on this show and also on our morning show, The Press Box, right here on ESPN Las Vegas, and, of course, his regular show, 2 to 5, on Raider Nation Radio 920 and Game Night on ESPN National. <laughs> not that busy. Not that busy. Yeah, I appreciate a couple minutes, Q. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Keep up the great work. There he is, Q Myers. What was the uh, shrimp cocktail story? What happened? Did you get sick? Uh, no, apparently it's just super spicy, and they were just going around sampling it at last year's combine. Hey, you want to try the this famous shrimp cocktail? And it knocked his socks off. Oh, really? I thought uh, I thought horseradish was a big part of it. I, I figured you get to dip or not dip in horseradish. No? I don't know. I think it was just the spice of the horseradish. It's actually spicy with that kick. Oh, okay. I was hoping our worldly co-host candy was going to jump in on shrimp cocktail but he, he got he got quiet there you dirty bastard you know the one thing in the world that i'm allergic to is shrimp and so if you you want to feed me shrimp why are you gonna take my dogs in no you're not because you got cats don't try to kill me off man this is the show there's a uh, candy's in the fold day. here it's getting uncomfortable every day that goes by you can see those old seeds, those old seeds of dislike, they're sprouting. <sighs> you know. Let's calm down during the break. Everyone, calm down. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bag up, bag up. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave massive sports weekend on the way around Las Vegas. One of the cool events that's happening is a VGK game actually on the road. Uh, they're going to be playing the Sabres. ESPN Las Vegas is going to be on the scene at Stadium Swim as Circle Las Vegas and Stadium Swim are having a massive viewing party. The uh, Viva Vegas girls will be out there. Chance will be out there as well. Prizes, the uh, heated bodies of water at Stadium Swim We'll be uh, ripping and roaring, so that's always a good time. And the screen there, screens, are fantastic. So that's a Saturday evening with uh, the Sabres hosting the Golden Knights are out of town. And Lindsey Brown and JVT will be on the scene for ESPN Las Vegas. Let's get into the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I'm excited about this week. So we got that viewing party. Let's see if I can name everything. I wrote it all down, but I'm not looking at that screen. That viewing party, Saturday is also a Rebels game, run Rebels, against San Jose State. Also on Saturday, Barry Odom, the football coach, is down at the South Point bull riding event, which is another big event in town. He's going to ride a bull. He's insane. So hopefully we'll have some coverage of that. Rugby, the NRL is in town out of Australia. Four teams in real games on Saturday. Travis Pastrana and Nitro Cross are behind Planet Hollywood in the Nitro Dome racing there. And then we've got our regular race weekend is up at LVMS. 
Candy, is that enough for you to do? You going to find something? No, I'm probably just going to walk my dog. There you go. You know, I have things to do. I have responsibilities. I have responsibilities. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I can't live that carefree life that you do. Of like, hey, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to go work sidelines at the UNLV game. And then, I don't know. I'll probably just swing around town and catch all five other events. My God. Uh, San Diego State's in town at 3 o'clock facing the UNLV Lady Rebels. And, by the way, uh, a little more on the UNLV front. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but since UNLV, I think, has turned over the roster to the tune of, like, uh, 27 players again and more to come, uh, Saturday is actually the first spring practice for football. So, so let's go, go out there and see some of the imports. Will there still be a spring practice after Barry Odom rides the bull? Because this sounds this sounds dangerous, man. Like I, I I don't even care if this is the most docile bull in the world. I, I'm not sure what would get me on top of that bull. Don't you think is this an outrageous claim? Don't you think he's done it before? Even if he has, just just because look. I've gone skydiving before, okay? Yeah. That doesn't mean that if I go skydiving again, I have 100% confidence like, hey, it's going to all work out the second time too. Like, I, I don't know. Damon, do you think that bu- having ridden a previous bull is, is enough? I think that's enough. It's, it's all about experience. It'll be even better the second time around if that's the case. I applaud Coach for doing this. I want to go and see, hey, let me get eight seconds after him. I want to. Yeah, I'd, I'd do it. Why Has not? anyone here ridden the mechanical bull at one of the local joints or outside of Las Vegas? No, because I don't have a mature enough friend group to live to live that down. No, I I have not done, done that. It? But Cofield, Cofield, you've done it. You have to have done it, Cofield. I have. No I question. Have. Yeah, I have. I had a wardrobe malfunction. Um, oh, see, so my my wiener might have flopped out, but uh, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You always. I, I always feel I, like. I feel like. I, I'm not trying to get uh, on the mechanical bull, like the operations of the mechanical bull. I feel like when you go to a country bar and you watch the mechanical bull, everyone is basically just waiting for some young lady to get up there and and mm-hmm. have floppage. Maybe not floppage, of, but of, stuff coming of her out. wiener. Not the wiener, but oh, if there was okay, a wiener, well, but, but, but but if there was a wiener, that's okay too. Fine, fine. Okay, so the, the the whole mechanical bull at the country bar thing, like yeah. you go out to you go out to a, you know a Gillies or a Stoney's or something like that. Like this all comes down to who is operating the mechanical oh, bull. Oh, so, right? so. so much right? so, so much so. Oh, the uh, they had one at Dylan's, which didn't always work. That was on Boulder Highway. And man, if you get a real sob on there, or someone who's actually just really creative, when the women get on, it can be a lot of fun. But for guys, guys have almost, unless they're a friend, they have almost no shot, or unless they're a real bull rider. So, okay, so maybe they are a bull, real bull rider, maybe they're not. But I want to get back to the positioning discussion that, that you kind of opened up here a minute ago. Because what I don't understand, and I've never like looked this up or Googled it, but like, if you are a man, born male, you have certain things that you need to figure out when you climb this bull. Right, or for any of us going out to take on the mechanical bull, where does it all go? What do you mean? What? Where's it? Where, where do you? 
How First do you take yourself a Andy, How much do you got? Whoa. You're, ter- you're taking my joke to literally. I'm not I like I didn't go ride the bull wearing Richard Simmons shorts. Uh, commando. That wasn't I don't. It. I don't know what you cat people do. Maybe that's the do sort you, of thing that you get together and like the cat group is like, hey, we're going out tonight. We're riding the bull. Like I don't know what. Maybe that's your thing. As, uh, I don't know. All I'm asking you is that. This is a serious question. You never know if you're going to find yourself like going out to a country bar on any random night. And, sure. You know, you get challenged to ride the bull, and you you want to show your your chutzpah, and you want to get up on that bull. And I feel like the real potential for permanent injury here is not like I got thrown off and hit my head. It's more like I sat on it wrong, and yeah. there are problems to come here, right? Like, um, and no, Demon, we're not talking. No, I'm not trying to make some. You know, veiled reference to you know what's what's uh, in Candy's chonies to take a press box reference, yeah. but I'm just saying you you got the berries, you got the twig, you, you got a lot to figure out. You uh, you bring up a good point here because that is one of the sinister things that the bull operator can do. Um, if they want, they could re- they could really f up your shoulder or your back because they can jerk that thing back and forth, and it's tough. So. So good luck to Barriotto. Maybe it's more predictable on a bull. A live bull. But I ain't doing it. He's crazy. He's 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 absolutely crazy. All right, thanks to the uh, Hilton Garden Inn. Good lineup here for the show. Damon, Candy, talk to you, everybody.